Hey besties, welcome back to episode 5, or 6, but part 2 from episode 5 um, of the Spooky Rip Jean Mom. I'm P.N. and I'm so excited to be back. I'm very proud of myself um, because I held myself accountable. I told myself that I was going to get the second, ep- the second part to episode 5 of the Golden State Killer out by Tuesday and I'm doing it. I did it. I'm very, very proud of myself. Um, I was really like, I'm probably going to have to do two parts because the first part was over 30 minutes, not over 30 minutes long. It was just 31 minutes, but whatever. Um, but like most of my listeners have told me that they really like how short it is because they don't have to, they have a short attention span like me. Um, and so they can't really follow along with longer podcast episodes. So I knew if I made it part one and part two, it'd probably be easier to track. Um, if I had made it just one long one, it probably would have gotten a little out of hand. Um, so yeah, like, let's get jumping right into it. We're going to start off with the investigation. Um, so before the police were able to connect the original Night Stalker crimes to the East Area Rapist crimes, they wanted to connect some of the other cases that they had, um, that really had no ties to anything, but they had similar MOs. And some of the crimes happened 40 miles away from each other, but again, because one was the East Area Rapist, and then he moved and he became the original Night Stalker, and then he moved and he was the Diamond Knot Killer, it- they just tried to connect as much as they possibly could. Um, and thanks to DNA, several rapes were also linked to the DNA of the murders of, you know, the Smiths, Harrington, and Whithon, um, and of course, Janelle Cruz's murders. In 2011, DNA was also linked to the Domingo Sanchez murders, um, that were committed by the East Area Rapist, but obviously as the Golden State Killer. On June 15th, 2016, the FBI released more info related to the crimes, which did include new sketches of the Golden State Killer and a lot more crime details. They also had a $50,000 reward that was announced. Um, this initiative included a database that essentially helped law enforcement from all over track tips and other leads so they could kind of connect if there was more crimes throughout California that had similar MOs. Um, but they didn't realize because back in the 70s, no one was really talking between police departments. But, you know, thanks to GNA, GNA, DNA and genetic genealogy search, oh my gosh, um, investigators were able to find distant relatives of the Golden State Killer through, um, gedmatch.com. Um, and this included his finding the Golden State Killer's great-great-great-grandfather that dated to the ninth or to the 1800s. Police were able to create 25 different family trees for the Golden State Killer and linked him to a thousand people. Holy cow. Um, now I will put in like a little like side note to this. This caused like people to wonder if morally and ethnically, if this was something that should continue using DNA that people, you know, use to kind of figure out their family roots, to take DNA from different killer profiles and try to find it that way. They didn't know if ethnically that 
was okay. Um, that was just a little side note. The next few months was a process for investigators. They um, had to use different clues, but they were able to eliminate age, sex, and place of residence to rule out everyone until they got the Golden State Killer, who was Joseph James D'Angelo. Crazy. We finally learned his name. Um, they did have other suspects. They had three, um, but they ended up being ruled out. In part one, I had mentioned that they had a local criminal that they thought would be um, the original Night Stalker slash East Area Rapist, but they were able to rule him out because he happened to get murdered. Um, his name was Brett Glaspie. He was from Galetta, California, and he was murdered in Mexico in 1982, um, which was before the murder of Janelle Cruz. She was 18. Um, and so the reason that why they were able to rule him out as the killer for the previous ones before Janelle was that Janelle, the DNA that was left at Janelle's crime scene matched the previous murder, so it couldn't have been him. Um, the second person was Paul Schneider. He was a high-ranking member of the Aryan Brotherhood, and he lived in Orange County with the Harringtons, Manuela Whithoon, and Janelle Cruz um, when they were killed, but DNA was used in the 90s to rule him out. Joe Alsip was friends and also business partners with Lyman Smith, one of the murder victims with his wife. Um, Joe's pastor said that Joe confessed to him during family counseling that he had arranged, arranged for the Smiths to be murdered in 1982, but charges were again dropped thanks to DNA testing in 1997. The other murders that Joseph was suspected of was raping and killing Jennifer Armour in 1974, the rape and murder of Donna Jo Richmond in 1975, and the murder of a woman and her son in 1978. But again, thanks to DNA testing, all of the all of the testing that they did with DNA ruled Joseph out of all three murders. I'm going to tell you a little bit of his backstory now. Joseph was born in 1945 to Kathleen DeGraw and Joseph James D'Angelo Sr. He was born in Bath, New York. He has two younger sisters and a younger brother. When Joseph's family was stationed in West Germany, he watched two airmen and the German army rape his sister and his sister was only seven years old. One of his sisters said that Joseph was abused by their dad when they were growing up, um, which is disgusting. But then after living in West Germany, they moved to Sacramento where Joseph spent most of his life living in the suburbs. He went to Folsom High School where he played on the JV baseball team and got his GED in 1964. Police said that Joseph committed burglaries and tortured and killed animals when he was a teenager. Um, all of my true crime junkies, like me, know if you are a kid and you like to kill animals and torture them, you are a serial killer. You are. Jeffrey Dahmer did it. Psycho man. Obviously, Joseph D'Angelo, Golden State Killer, did it. Psycho man. If you... My only parenting advice I will ever give. If you notice that your child is killing animals, psych help. Take them. Instantly, mental hospital, need some help. It, don't do it. 
don't do it or you'll be waking up to your kids stabbing you that ain't it chief we are not here for that in september of 1964 joseph joined the u.s navy and served for 22 months during the vietnam war as a damage controlman on the uss canberra and then the destroyer uss piedmont i asked bailey if these ships these warships were still a thing and he said he hasn't heard of them so i don't think they're around anymore in August 1968, he went to the Sierra College in California, and he graduated with an associate degree in police science with honors. In 1971, he attended Sacramento State University, where he earned his bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Later on, Joseph took postgraduate courses and furthered his police training at the College of the Sikawas, and then he did a 32-week police internship at the police department in Ro Roseville. From May 1973 until August 1979, um, Joseph was a burglary unit police officer in Ex Exeter, which is a town of only 5,000 people, um, near Visalia, which, if you remember from, uh, you know, the first part of this, Vis Vasilia was where the crimes originally took place. The Vasilia Ransacker was the first nickname that the Golden State Killer had. Um, from August 1976 to July 1979, he served in Auburn at their police department, um, but he was later fired because he was arrested for stealing a hammer and dog repellent, which, like, keep that in mind, because in part one, I said he would steal inexpensive things around people's houses, um, uh, and, like, everyday items, which, like, you can go to the, like, if you're a police officer, like, why don't you just buy a hammer why do you need to steal it um and like also why do you need why did why do you steal dog repellent why i'm pretty sure you get that for free with police training i don't know like but dog repellent freaking weirdo um he got six months probation for this for obviously stealing um but his the police unit did fire him there is a process to being fired, though, within that, and during this process, he threatened to kill the chief of police and allegedly stalked him, but, I mean, come on, he, he did stalk him. Allegedly. In May 1970, Joseph became engaged to a classmate from Sierra College. Her name was Bonnie Colwell, but she did later call off the wedding because Joseph held a gun to her head in order to force her into marrying him. She had already said yes. Why? Was she not marrying you when you wanted her to marry you? Like, what was the reason? Um, but then in November of 1973, he married Sharon Huddle. In 1980, they bought a home in Citrus Heights. This is the house that he'd later be arrested in. Sharon became an attorney in 1982. They had three daughters, but the couple did separate in 1991. They actually did not get divorced, though, until Sharon filed in July of 2018, which was official in July of 2019. It's also a couple months after he was arrested. It is unsure of where Joseph was employed during the 1980s or even really what he did during that time. But from 1990 until 2017, when he retired because he was arrested, he was a truck mechanic at a Save Mart supermarket in Roseville. In 1996, Joseph was arrested for not paying for gas, but this charge was dismissed. 
one of Joseph's brother-in-laws did say that Joseph casually would bring up the East Area Rapist in conversation around the time of the original, you know, crimes, which to me, like, would have me very confused if it happened a lot. Like, if it was as brought up as what Joseph's brother-in-law described, why would you not kind of be like, hmm, is it you? Did you happen to do these crimes? Because that's what I would have thought. That is exactly what I would have thought. Um, neighbors said that he'd have loud and profane outbursts. One neighbor said that Joseph threatened to deliver a load of death to their dog because their dog was barking. At the time of the, his arrest, he was living with his daughter and one of his granddaughters. So now we're going to move on to the arrest and the trial. Now, during the trial, it is shown that he's acting like this frail old man, which makes people like think like he's he's this old and frail, like he could not have done all this stuff that they said he did because look at him. But it was when he was only 30 years old, almost 40, like the crimes were when he was younger and obviously in better shape if he was a JV baseball player, which I mean, it's not varsity, but whatever. Um, but the JV baseball player, he was a police officer. Before that, he served in the Vietnam War on the, like, in the Navy. Like, obviously, he was not frail and old that long ago. We're talking 30 years, okay? Almost 40. He had time to get old and frail. Okay? He was not old and frail when he committed these crimes. He's disgusting. Okay, so back, back to it. Um, December of 2017, Detective Paul Holes and FBI lawyer Steve Kramer had their team upload the DNA from their killer profile of the rape kits to GED Match, which takes your DNA to tell you about your family. Um, the website did match. Um the DNA to 10 or 20 people who shared the same great-great-great-grandparents with the Golden State Killer. And then a team of five worked with a genealogist named Barbara Ventner to construct a large family tree. And from this, they were able to get two suspects. Obviously, one was ruled out by DNA match, but then the one who was matched was obviously Joseph James D'Angelo II. On April 18th, 2018... The DNA sample that was collected from Joseph's car door handle and a tissue found in his outside um, garbage can was ran and obviously matched with the Golden State Killer profile. On April 24th, 2018, Joseph was finally arrested by the Sacramento Police Department. Now, you have to remember, in part one, I talked about how he literally told them his location. Watt Avenue was his location. They found him twice in that area, and he still was able to flee, for, flee from police. Like, how the heck? Um. So, finally, he was finally freaking arrested um, by the Sacramento Police Department. They charged him with eight counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances, and then on May 10th, 2018, the Santa Barbara County District Attorney's Office charged Joseph with four additional counts of first-degree murder, baby. That is 13 counts. 
period period the man deserves it all um he kind of made a semi-confession though he kept re- like referring to an inner personality as jerry who the fuck is jerry um he said that jerry forced him to commit the crimes that ended randomly in 1986 sacramento county prosecutor had said that while he was alone in the interrogation room he said and i quote I did not have the strength to push him out. He made me. He went with me. It was like in my head. I mean, he's a part of me. I didn't want to do those things. I pushed Jerry out and had a happy life. I did all those things. I destroyed all their lives. So now I've got to pay the price. Like, don't... You had an inner personality, Jerry? No. Don't try to turn this around. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, sadly, Joseph couldn't be charged with the rapes or the burglaries. Because the statute of limitations had expired. The statute of limitations pisses me off, okay? Like, let me tell you why. Let me just tell you why. First off, there should be no statute of limitation for rape, okay? Especially if you have the freaking DNA. Like, these people reported it. And you're just going to tell him, oh, no, sorry, because I know we took your DNA and you went through all that trauma and he called you multiple times. It's too late for that. Like, come on. Don't be such dickheads. Sorry. It just pisses me off. Um, he was, though, however, charged with 13 counts of murder and 13 counts of kidnapping. He was arraigned in Sacramento on August 23rd, 2018. In November 2018, prosecutors from six involved counties had come up with an estimate on how much this was going to cost in taxpayer dollars and how long the trial could possibly last. Remember, 2018. They believed it would cost $20 million in 10 years to do this trial. $20 million. And not, like, any dollars. Taxpayer dollars, which means taxes and taxes would have gone up, which, by the way, are already high enough. I, in last 10 years. So, you're probably wondering, okay, so did he plead guilty or is there currently a trial going on? Well, let me tell you. On April 10th, 2019, there was a court proceeding and prosecutors announced that they were seeking the death penalty. Honestly, whether you're for capital punishment or you're not, this man deserved whatever God decided if you believe in God because this man was terrible awful human being uh the judge ruled that cameras would be allowed in the courtroom during the trial on March 4th 2020 Joseph offered to plead guilty as long as the death penalty was taken off the table but prosecutors did not accept at all they did not. They said, fuck it. Um, but on June 29th, in order to not get the death penalty, Joseph then pleaded guilty to all 13 counts of first degree murder and special circumstances. This did include murders during burglaries and rapes. And he also pled guilty to all 13 counts of kidnapping. <laughs> on August 21st, 2020, literally a year ago this is so close to like now it's insane like 
I know I'm taking a brief pause, but it happened in 19, like, it's, some of these crimes didn't even happen, like, happened a few years before my mom was even born, and you're telling me that seven months before my daughter was born is when he finally got incarcerated? Like, what? On August 21st, 2020, Joseph received multiple consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. As he should. He should rot in jail. That was your American Idol of the day. Um, Joseph gave a brief apology after listening to the victim impact statements. His apology was stupid. Worst apology ever. He said, I've listened to all of your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone I have hurt. Thank you, Your Honor. What kind of bullshit is that? What kind of bullshit is that? I hate this man. So, now you must be wondering, well, he was kind of old, wasn't he? Is he dead now? Did he die in jail? The answer is no. On November 3rd, 2020, Joseph was moved to the North Kern State Prison. Then, in February of 2021, literally this past February, Joseph went to the California State Prison because he needed to be in protective custody. Like, why? Why did he need to be in protective custody? Where was the protective custody for all of the women? Uh, where was the protective custody for the people on Watt Avenue where this masked man is riding his bicycle all around? Like, what? Where? Ugh, whatever. Whatever. He's old and frail, I guess. I'm sorry. If you hear the weird growling, it's my gremlin dog, Evie. She's not really a gremlin. That's my bad. I love her to pieces, but she got a bath yesterday and ever since then she's been in a hyper mood and she keeps like rubbing herself on the carpet and like howling. I don't know. She's part beagle. She's weird. Um, she's weird for crime, whatever. Um, but that is the story of Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. And how he committed literally 120 burglaries, 50 rapes, and 13 murders with kidnappings. It's great. So, um, I hate him. Everything about him. Next week, I believe we go to Colorado where we'll meet our next person. And I do not have my notes in front of me to remember who that is. I'm really excited. I'm hoping since I have the next couple of days off, I can get some of the research done and record it. Um, so then that way it can be out by the end of the week, um, or hopefully over the weekend. I am really excited because football season is back. And so Friday night, I'm going to, um, one of my friends, her twin boys are in high school and they are playing football and I'm really, really excited. I haven't watched a high school football game since I was in high school. Um, and so it's fun to go back and watch kids playing just because they're having fun and things like that. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm very excited to talk to you guys again about Colorado and you should check out my Instagram. It's just the spooky underscore rip jean mom, uh, basically what the podcast is. And I will have pictures posted of Joseph on there. I was going to post them yesterday, but I decided that I was going to wait until we actually found out who he was. So I'll post the pictures um, today, and then, um, 
hopefully we'll see if you guys want to hear like his actual voice and then if you do I can try to post those on the Instagram as well because it is really creepy and really eerie and just follow me on there because I will start posting pictures and things like that so you guys can kind of put like a face to the name but I was gonna make this a one-parter like I said on the last one but the last episode was a little over 30 minutes long and this one's about to hit 25 minutes um, but let me know if you wanted me to do longer, like, podcasts, because I can totally do that, too. I just know some people like it to be shorter. But I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and I can't wait to see you guys next time. Love you all. Bye!